Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this second episode for today of the show about the show. As always, every episode of the show is dedicated to the memory of my dad, who taught me to love the game of baseball. Very excited about my guest today. I have former Major League pitcher and coach in the twin system, Eric Rasmussen on. He has coached a number of very successful major leaguers, and we will also talk about the sports clinic that he runs for children, which is a really, really cool thing that he does. And we're also going to talk about the uh, distinction that he holds. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Rasmussen. How you doing today, Eric? I'm doing just fine, Devlin. Good. So you were drafted originally by the Boston Red Sox in the fourth round of the seventy of the nineteen seventy one draft, but you opted to go to the University in New Orleans, um, where you were an All American. Can you? T- and then you were drafted in the thirty second round by the Cardinals two years later. Can you talk about that decision to pass up signing with the Red Sox and decide to go to college? Well, I was at uh, I was involved in at Indian Hills uh, Community College in Centerville, Iowa. And when that draft came, that was a January draft back in those days because there were two drafts a year. And that's uh, why didn't uh, offer me much money at all. And uh, I liked to coach there, so I stayed at uh, Indian Hills. And I went to New Orleans then uh, for just for one year, my junior year, and got drafted by the Cardinals. So, uh, I don't know, it was uh, – just didn't seem like uh, it was enough money they offered me, and heck, I ended up getting less anyway when I did sign. <laughs> it ended up just fine. You ended up getting drafted. Was there anybody else in your draft class that the Cardinals drafted in 1973 that made it to the majors that people might know about? Oh, uh, the the uh, guy that got drafted along with me that really made the most uh, of a career was. Uh, Mike Proley, a relief pitcher from uh, he's from Long sure. Island. Yeah, he played with the Cardinals, but I think he did uh, his best work, I believe, with the Cubbies. So uh, Mike okay. was one of those guys. wasn't a big uh, draft. John Camargo is another guy that uh, played with the Cardinals, and uh, I think Expos match. He he played around a little bit. Catcher was a good player. It wasn't a, a big uh, whoop you do draft there. Okay. You moved through the Cardinal system pretty rapidly. You reached uh you reached Triple A in just your second full season in nineteen seventy five. You were called up to the majors in July and talk to me about your major league debut. Well, that was uh that was in San Diego. Uh, kinda cool. My uh 
my folks flew out from Wisconsin to see that, so that was good. And uh, just one of those deals where, uh, you know, I think it's an easy advantage for a pitcher first time out. No one knows you. And uh, heck, uh, nobody on my team knew me, by God. And uh, just went out there and pitched pretty good and shut them out. And got a hit and got an RBI. It was a pretty good night. Got on the uh, radio show with Jack Buck afterwards and, my dad did too. He asked me what I. He says, "What do you get for?" I said, "I think I get fifty bucks, Dad." He says, "What do I get?" I said, "Nothing. I'll buy you dinner." <laughs> that was perfect. That was nice. Absolutely, and you did pretty well too. I mean, you you pitched a seven hit shutout. You walked one. You struck out seven guys in your debut, and like you said too, you know, you also got your first major league hit and drove in drove in an RBI. You wound up starting thirteen games for the Cardinals that year. You went five and five with a three seven eight ERA. What was your rookie season like for you? You know, just kind of being a guy who just broken into the big leagues. Well, it was. Uh... It was interesting because when I got to the team there, uh, I believe we were 12 or 13 games out. And, uh, gosh, by the 1st of September, I think we were like a game out. So we got into a pennant race, but then the Pirates, the Pirates, if I'm not mistaken, got real hot and kind of ran away with it. But we made it a race that was really fun and got to pitch in some good games. Got to pitch, uh, pitch a game in uh, Cincinnati against those guys kind of full house thing in a day game. and I think I won seven and two-thirds, and they took me out of there. In fact, I know I punched out. I know I had Johnny Bench struck out with two outs in that eighth inning, uh, two pitches, and I asked Ted after the game, said, Teddy, where were those pitches, 0-2 and 1-2? And he says, oh, right there, both strikes. I said, well, what's going on? He says, what are you, stupid? That's Bench. You won't get that pitch on him for another three so those are goofy things, remember, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, and, it, you know, being a Hall of Famer, yeah, he's going to get that call. Um, so, you know, after splitting the 1976 season between the bullpen and the starting rotation, you had statistically, anyway, your best season in 1977. You had a career-best 3.48 ERA. You pitched 233 innings, and you had 11 complete games. You guys finished in third place that year. When you look at start, when you look at the game today, um, you know, kind of being a former pitching pitcher and pitching coach, can you talk about how the game was different back then? I mean, Burp Wylevin, he always said, you know, when you, when you back when I played, we we were signed to go nine innings, and that's what they expected. Is that? Is that kind of how how it was when you played too? You kind of expected to go nine innings. Well, you know, I guess when we all grew up, days uh, we were all trying to go the whole game every, you know, from little league on, you know. So it wasn't uh, sure. it wasn't just when you it's just the way it was. And I don't know, you were geared that way. It was it was certainly more mental and uh, physical. I mean, physically, it's not that big a deal to go nine. It's mentally you have to. Uh, put it into your mind and, and here I'm, I'm going to go nine. And if I can't, I can't, but uh, it was, just, it was more of a mindset. And, and you, know, you got to win. You know, if you want to get five plus innings, it wasn't too good. You weren't too proud. Of you. Sure. You know? 
what so do you, that, what uh, do you yep. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, what do you remember about um, you know after after you left the Cardinals, you you signed with the, you got traded to the Padres. I'm sorry for George Hendricks. What do you remember about the the years you had with the Padres? Oh, it was a uh, it was kind of a funny thing, you know. I had su- <clears throat> had success the uh, you know the first year I was there. Gosh, I think I got there. I was like two and five, <clears throat> and lost the first couple of games. So I'm sitting there two and seven, and I'm not too happy with life. And uh, you know that was in you know June. By June, I was two and seven, and the first of September, I was fourteen and ten. So I got on a really good roll and. Uh, the team was playing well and had a good time in September. We just, uh, oh gosh, they couldn't score any runs and ended up having a, a year. I should have had a really good year there as far as record goes, but uh, that was okay. And, uh, you know, I played with some guys that were pretty cool, you know, uh, you know, I had some good friends there and we had a good time. The next year was uh, good. I like Roger Craig as a manager. That was, sure. uh, he was a good man. And I, I think that I was, he was the reason I got traded there. He, he liked the idea of going, uh, having complete games. <laughs> so. Was Ozzie Smith still a member of the Padres when you were there? Yes. Ozzy, when I got traded there, Ozzy was a rookie. So he was just getting going and, uh, you know, he played short behind me most times and, and heck, uh, that was it was a done deal. You get the ball hit that way, it's an it's an out. So he could right. really he could pick it from day one. Couldn't hit at all at now, that I, point, but uh, you know he learned to it later on. Absolutely, and you know he had a Hall of Fame career because of it. Following the 1980 season, you got released by the Padres. Um, that winter, you pitched in the Mexican League. And you spent all of 81 and 82 with Leonis de Yucatan. Can you talk about pitching in the Mexican League and just kind of how different the culture is in Mexico compared to – yeah, go ahead. It was uh, quite quite a deal there. It was uh, completely different. I mean, first off, it's a a complete shocker when you spend six years in the major leagues and all of a sudden you get, you know, pretty much put in exile. So that was completely different. Uh, right away uh, as far as the uh, part of pitching down there the, the toughest part is just the uh, the conditions it's uh kind of place where there was basically no bullpens so you know you go warm up and find a, a spot out in the outfield it might have a little hump in it <laughs> and kind of walk it off and sure. you know get loose for the game uh, that was in most every park there's only a couple of bullpen mounds actually uh the uh as far as the pitching goes the uh the mexican players at that time uh it was like facing a lineup of a lot of number 2 hitters that put the ball in play good breaking ball hitters uh really didn't hit the fastball much and when you start figuring that out you threw a lot of fastballs and pitched inside a lot uh, the travel was was really tough uh some of the hotels it was uh the hotels, uh, we had a saying, the worse it gets, better it is, because you'll never forget it. You know, we stayed in some hotels that were absolutely incredible, <laughs> you know, just like a, almost like a prison cell type thing. And, uh, sure, sure. And, you know, but uh, 
there were a lot of Americans on the team, and uh, you know, you sure did. Uh, you saw you saw some places you'd never go in on vacation. Let's put it that way, and it was quite an <laughs> education, and uh, it was very interesting. You know, you get up in the mornings, and uh, I got to. Uh, I did a lot of exploring, you know, a lot of walking around, go to the Mercados and and just yep. kind of sightsee and walk around and, and see the different places. And, uh, you know, it really, if it, if it wasn't that I wanted to be in the major leagues and I should have been in the major leagues, uh, I, I would have been extremely enjoyable in a lot of ways because you did, you did learn a different part of the world. I'll tell you. Absolutely. So let's fast forward a little bit. 80, 1983, you get uh, sold to the or you get sold to the Royals. 1983, you end up pitching a shutout for or the. Um, yep, you end up pitching a shutout against the Boston Red Sox, and by pitching that shutout, you earned the distinction of being the only major league pitcher ever to throw a shutout in both your National League and American League debut. What do you remember about that uh, game against the Red Sox? Uh, well, it was in, you know, it was in Kansas City, which is good. <laughs> Better than pitching at Fenway. And, uh, right. Just uh, walked in there and just pitched and, you know, couple balls hit hard to get caught and uh sure before you know it nine innings is up and had a shutout i just uh it, it went by fast i don't know there weren't many pitches thrown uh i think i gave up seven hits and it was like a almost a mirror image of my first game i think it was four to nothing the same way as the first one i think they both were seven hits something like that so uh i don't know just basically i had you could say I had two really good nights. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it it went fine. And uh, actually, there was another guy that did that. A guy named Bob Spade. Okay, I've been told did the same thing okay. in 1907 and 1910. So I'm actually oh, the uh, second. The second. Okay. And in fact, uh, right after that, I saw the San Diego Chicken somewhere. Ted Gianola somewhere on the road. And, he's, and he says, hey, I see you set a record. And I said, no, I tied the record. He says, what are you talking about? I said, some guy did it in 1907 and 1910. He says, ah, shit, he's dead. You're the only one. <laughs> he said, God, <laughs> that was funny. But, you know, the, the chicken. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, that so was you, a, good, a good memory and a good night. You had, a, uh, you had 10 career RBIs. And you had oh, interesting little tidbit is you had a two RBI game against the reigning Cy Young winner Randy Jones of the Padres in 1977. Oh well, yeah, I managed to. <laughs> I don't know. Let's say hit one of those soft sinkers that he throws. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I'd get so, a, I'd get a hit now and then. You know, you get a hit here and there, and. Uh, do that absolutely so you you know after your playing career was over did you know that you kind of wanted to become a pitching coach was coaching kind of always something that you had an interest in in the back of your mind or was it just kind of something where you felt like it was the right thing at the right time you know what I did uh when I played especially when I was in the major leagues I never 
I never gave two thoughts to being a coach at all. You know, you, it's kind of funny, you know, in the big leagues, it's kind of like all you think about. It's just your player. Sure. And then, yep. uh, you know, life takes you different directions. And uh, my big league career didn't last nearly as long as planned. And, you know, you end up playing, and the longer you play, then it starts uh, becoming something that you think about, especially when you're in AAA a lot. And, <clears throat> and, and you know, you, you talk and you and you watch, and then you're, you're thinking, geez, I don't want to do this much longer. You know, what am I going to do? And and you get to the point that I've had enough. They're not ever going to let me back in the big leagues. And then it kind of hits you, and then you get offered a job, and then you just kind of go. And it's, I guess you get in the comfort zone with baseball, and you don't want to leave. So it's kind of a kind of a way for you to stay stay close to the game despite not being able to play. Yeah. It's and you know what it's it's just you're so used to being on a team and yep. going to a baseball park and it's it's a tough thing to give up. You know? It's a yep. tough thing and let's face it, the real world is not that easy. You know. Sure. The real world is uh you know, to find a regular kind of job, and most ball players, uh, you know, don't react well to to the nine to five existence. You know, sure. So it just kind of fit, and I just kept doing it, you know, forever until this past fall. So, uh, I guess you call me a lifer. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a diehard Twins fan. I've I've been a Twins fan my entire life. You picked a good season to join the Minnesota Twins organization. You joined the Twins in 1991. From 91 through 95, you were the pitching coach for the uh, GCL Twins, their rookie level. In 96 and 97, you were the Twins advanced uh, A or the A plus. Fort Myers Miracle in 98, you jumped to double A, New Britain, and then in 99, you came back to the Miracle. But in 2008, you were promoted to minor league pitching coordinator. Can you talk about some of the, some of the players, maybe like a, like a Brad Radke or somebody like that who came through the twins minor league system that you really kind of coached and you saw really succeed in the major leagues? Well, there's uh you know, there's been quite a few that go by. And, you know, when I was in rookie ball there, uh, the very first year, that was Radke's. Uh, Radke signed and Latroy Hawkins signed in that same okay. draft. Yep. So I worked sure. with those guys, you know, just the, the rest of that summer, you know, just June, July, and August. Yep. And then they uh, they went along on their own way. And both had really, really good careers. Uh, Radke was a real quiet kid, uh, called him the silent assassin. Real good uh, competitor and uh, control pitcher and went about his business in a real good way, and everybody loved him. You know, he was a no-nonsense guy and uh, just a very simple plan, and he carried it out over and over and over. And Latroy was a guy who was blessed with some kind of arm. You know, just he could still probably pitch if he wanted to. He's got just this <laughs> right. tremendous, uh, you know, natural physical ability to throw that baseball and uh, had a great, great career for so many teams. He knows everybody on the planet, I swear. 
And he does. And I'll tell you does. what, Latroy. What's really impressive with Latroy, and one of the cool things is that Latroy, uh, he might show up on a, a little league field in Cape Coral in spring training just to go see somebody play that he got to knew the, got to know the people when he lived here and played here. And that's sure. the kind of guy he is. He's uh, really good with kids, and uh, can't say enough good things about Latroy. I knew, you know, I actually know him much better than uh, Brad. Yeah, and and you coached a couple other, you know, just a few other guys that you coached. You didn't. You told me before um, we jumped on the on the podcast here that you didn't have too much to do with Johan Santana, but you had you had a hand with Matt Garvey and Mark Redman and guys like that. Can you kind of can you kind of talk about guys like that, especially maybe Santana and Gars? I mean, they, Gars especially had a pretty nice career in the major leagues. Yeah, uh, Johan, uh, we got him in a Rule 5, and he had come out of low A-ball, Midwest League. And uh, Jose Marzan, who's still in the organization, was a manager in the Midwest League, and he's the one that recommended him so highly. So we took Johan, he went to the big leagues, and you know worked out of the bullpen and uh, got going. So I never really had much to do with him at all. I mean, I, I know him. I know him to say hello. And uh, he's a really good guy. He lives down here in, uh, okay. in the same area that I do in Florida. Great guy. And, uh, of course, we all know he's a fine pitcher. Uh, I mean, you can throw names at me, and I can tell you a little bit about him. <laughs> sure. uh, did, let's see. Did, who else? Did, yeah, Matt Garza. Matt Garza, I would say that he's the – I gave him the highest grades of any uh, of any pitcher that I ever had go through here. He pitched oh, for me in really? Fort Myers Miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gave uh-huh. him the highest grades because he was uh, he had all all electric pitches and could throw them all where he wanted to, and uh, you just couldn't hit him. That one year, he pitched for me in Fort Myers. Did great. Went to Double A, did better. Went to Triple A, did better there, and went to the big leagues. He, he hit every spot in one year. He went right through there, and sure. uh, I expected him to be a, a major star. But you know, for whatever reason, it never really happened. I don't think he ever realized his potential. He's got some kind of electric stuff. That kid. He had some kind of stuff in command. So he was the highest yeah, rated I, pitcher, and him and uh, him and Liriano, Francisco, okay. and we got him from the Giants. He pitched for me in Fort Myers, and uh, electric, electric, electric stuff. And he, was, he could, you know, what funny thing is when you see control problems, that guy, to me, could throw a strike any time he wanted to, and we got him. Yeah. He, you know, he'd go two and on throw a strike. I mean, he was he he'd percolate. And that radar gun, which I hate the gun, but just for reference, he'd, he'd yep. say 93, 94, and then he'd get the two strikes and say 97. So he wow. knew when to when to put somebody away, and he knew that right away. And uh, sure, he was uh, a high stuff guy. He had stuff. Those two are the guys yeah. with the best stuff, the best stuff stuff as now, starting pitchers. Now you had a you had a big league career, obviously as a player, and you've coached a lot of 
uh, players in the minor leagues. Is Johan Santana's changeup in his prime the most devastating pitch you've ever seen? Is it the best pitch you've ever seen? Because, I mean, that thing is un- uh, that thing was unhittable when he threw that changeup. Well, yeah, because he had the circle change, which is the the yeah. top of the line if you can command it, and there's only been a few guys that actually can do it that good. Yep. Uh, but you know what? I didn't see him up close as, you know, as a pitcher, sure. but I, I know that that's a, you know, when they, if you grade a pitch, uh, you know, eight being the highest, it's an eight, you know, he's, it's yeah. one of the few. So that's, sure. uh, you know, that's, that's a high ranking pitch. Uh, you know, Liriano slider would be a high ranking pitch, you know, yep. through the years. I'm trying to think, I mean, the, the guys that I've coached, you know, you look at Radke, his stuff was very basic, but it was, pinpoint type control I bet if you checked on the spin rate business he had high spin rate because he he'd throw that invisible fastball right down central ave and they'd swing through it so there's right. yeah. you know that's a that's a spin rate issue there most likely he had good spin sure. you'd have yeah. to throw names at me I'm I'm more up on the current guys now the current guys sure uh, sure You've seen Fernando Romero now. Everybody's watching him, and he's had a pretty good yeah. go of it. He's got good stuff, yeah. but what he's got going for him that's exciting is his frame of mind. He, and when you watch yeah, him pitch, he, he, he just is, doesn't seem to get yes. battered. That's right. He's 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 determined. He's determined. Yeah. Somebody asked. I saw some interview, and they asked him about something about him coming up there and he says, I have no time to waste. And that's, right. that's him. That's a kid Absolutely. that couldn't speak any English at all and came back after one winter at home. And all of a sudden he's talking to you like he's a guy on the street and right. what he needs to learn, he learns. And, uh, there's a guy I can't talk good enough about because when you, I watched him in his first big league game on TV, and he started shaking his head the first batter. He wanted to throw what he wanted to throw, and he did it the whole yep. game. And he did, yeah. That's how, yes, that's how you know there's a pitcher on that mound. Absolutely. The catcher doesn't know him. The Absolutely. catcher's calling stuff that doesn't go along with what he's been taught and what he knows. And sure. Now, after a while, maybe they'll get to know him, and they'll they'll know how to call that game because I think Castro was back there. He didn't know him from Adam. If I'm not mistaken, sure. Castro was – Garver knows him a little bit, but, you know, Garver hasn't caught him much. So, basically, no one knows him. He's got a head of his own. That's good. Barrios is another kid with the stuff. Uh, he did okay last night. Uh, he's gotten away seemed, from his – seemed, seemed to me last night his curve – he kind of refound his curveball. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? I didn't. Uh, I, had, I tried to watch that game. I kept getting distracted. Every time I got distracted is when he was pitching, so I didn't see much. But I've been noticing lately uh, in his little bit of a stall, I guess you'd say, he's starting to throw all these two seamers and, and not throwing his change up. And I, I just, it's not him. He's a yeah. he's a, a live fastball guy that should work the top of the zone more. When he works the top and the bottom, he's he's. He's untouchable, and he's, he's got a tremendous change-up. Hardly used it when he's going bad. So 
you know, he's he's the guy with stuff. So those two guys are going to be at the top of that rotation. Absolutely. Uh, tough thing. And, what are you, you going to do? What are you going to do when uh, San? Here's a question. Right. You get rid of Lance, right. who you just gave the money to, and can't get anybody out. <laughs> right. So he got there's another one. If you watch. Yep, he only went three innings today. He only went three innings today, and he was up in the eighty pitch count. So, oh, well, Lance Lynn is a high <laughs> fastball pitcher in yep. in the past when he's good and works everything off the high fastball, which disguises breaking balls and disguises two seamer in the righties. And he's trying to pitch downstairs. I watch him. That's not him. So he's out of his game, yeah. whether he knows it or not, mm-hmm. from what I can see. So. You know, what do you do? Do you, do you send Romero out? Not me. I keep Romero right. and make an adjustment somewhere else. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Coach, we got about 90 seconds left. Um, one of the guys I'm really, really excited about is a guy who's at Cedar Rapids right now, Bruzdor Gratterall. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with him, but he's basically a flamethrower. He threw 101 three times the other night. Um, do you know what? What can you tell me about him, real quick? He's got a special arm. Uh, still try, trying to learn how to pitch. Uh, you know, getting getting healthy after that Tommy John, and then you know, I, th- I think this is going to be a big year for him to stay healthy and, yeah. and learn how to pitch against a little yeah. bit of better competition. But yeah, he's got a special arm, good breaking stuff. Uh, he's okay. He's okay, and uh, he's got a ways to go. But you know, you never know when guys got that kind of arm. If they start showing you that they can, what they got between their ears works, then uh, you got a chance. Sure. Tell me real quick. Uh, you know, I wish we, I wish we had more time. But uh, tell me real quick about your nub ability athletic foundation. Oh, okay. Well. Uh, Nobility is a, an organization that is nobody that I really work for, but I've worked with them. Uh, I'm working uh, with a nonprofit called Let Kids Be Kids. Us. That's where you find it. And I ran into a guy named Chris Rizzola down here in Cape Coral, and he started this. Uh, and it's it's uh, geared to get kids that have differences to play in little league baseball, as long as they're cognitive. You know. Uh, we had uh, one young young kid play with us that had a uh, you know a difference where he's had a, a nub arm played. We had a kid with uh, cerebral palsy uh, play with our team one night, and these kids were just having a blast. And the kids accepted them fine, and 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 it was it was good. So if they uh, we're trying to get the kids in you know the little league associations to let these kids play. You know, there's, there's no sure. league for them. It's not like challenger baseball. That's a, that's a little different kind of a thing. And it's tough to convince people because it's so ultra competitive and, and, and it's, it's just not too cool when everybody's supposedly a big league player and this kid's going to be this and that. Just the, the kids love it when those kids were on our team. It was, and that's good. And that's why it's let kids be kids. So we're also trying to, trying to make an attempt to get the parents and the coaches to let kids play, not try to run everything that they do during a ball game, quit calling every pitch, quit having kids have to look at you every time they need to advance a base. Uh, 
and have the parents, you know, as much as they, they care, not to yell instructions, but more just encouragement. And Absolutely. If we can make a difference in that way, it would be great. And I'm hoping we can. So we're doing some stuff, uh, some online learning type things and just trying to get people to to calm down and cool off <laughs> and let kids be kids and let them have fun. Absolutely. Coach, we're out of time. I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast and, and giving me a half an hour of your day. It was a blast. And uh, thank you very, very much. Well, thanks for having me. I just get long-winded. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. Hey, we could, I, I could talk. I, I love talking Twins baseball. I could talk Twins baseball all day. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Eric Rackmason. Thanks, Coach. Good deal. Thanks for calling, and thanks for having me on. No problem. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. All right, that was Eric Rasmussen. He was a former major league pitcher and a coach in the Twins system. Talked about some of the coaches or some of the players he used to coach, had glowing things to say about Brad Radke and LaTroy Hawkins. Also, some of the current guys. Um, he mentioned, I mentioned, I brought up Brewster Gratterall. He mentioned Jose Barrios or Barrios and Fernando Romero. So, Baseball Lifer there. I've got one more podcast coming up today. It's going to be a short one. It's going to be with Darren Doogie Wolfson from KMSP, Minneapolis, St. Paul. He is going to talk to us about the Twins, what's going on, if they're looking, if they're going to end up trading for a catcher now that Jason Castro is out for the year. And we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. So stay tuned for that. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you down the road in podcast land. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.